Blog Talk Radio. All right, all right, all right. This is Alan G. Bazaar coming to you from Warren, Ohio, coming on your internet, coming on your radio. Good news, good news, Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's the only good news you're going to hear today. Because the good news can only come from heaven. Amen. The world is filled with aggravation and troubles and problems and storms and killing and murdering. And, oh, man, it's in a bad shape. It's in a bad shape. I'm here to tell you I'm watchman on the wall, end time, ministry, telling the world, trying to tell everybody I see Jesus Christ is literally coming back to this earth to straighten it out. He's the one going to straighten it out. But before he come back, you need to be straightened out. Brother Bazaar need to be straightened out. Everybody on this planet needs to be straightened out. I don't care who you are, what you are, where you're coming from, what your ethnic group. I don't care if you're brown, ugly, pretty, or whatever you are. I know one thing. You're a human being, and you're made in the likeness and the image of God, and God wants to change your image. Because when you were born, you were born in a bad image. You were born in sin. And shaped in iniquity, did your mother conceive you? Now, if you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, you don't have the image of God. You've got to have the image of God, amen, before you can get to heaven. Oh, preacher, what is the image of God? The image of God is Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. And Jesus Christ is the Son of God, which means he is God in the flesh. When God came to this earth, he came in His name, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born of a woman in the Bethlehem of Judea, wrapped in swaddling clothes, came down here in the flesh, came down here in the flesh. He became a human being for the first time ever through eternity. God became human because he was both divine and he was human. And he had to become a human being because somebody Good God Almighty, somebody had to die. Oh, my God. Before we get into the message, before we get into the word, we want you to bow your heads, those that are listening in. If you got a friend somewhere that ain't doing nothing and and, 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 and ain't got nothing to interfere with this, tell them to tune in on Watchmen on the Wall, end time, end time, internet ministry, telling the world, get ready, get ready, get ready. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We ask you right now, wherever somebody may be, maybe listen to this program, Lord. Let them be aware of what's getting ready to happen on this planet. Let them know that Jesus Christ is coming. We know that he died, oh, 2,000 years ago, crucified and hung on a tree, went down in the grave, stayed there three days and three nights, came up on the third day morning with all power in heaven and earth, and now he's able to save, save your soul from the pits of hell, save your soul from eternal damnation, save your soul from the lake of fire, save your soul. That's what Jesus Christ died for, to save you from sin and to abolish sin in your heart, in your mind. And we ask you right now in the name of Jesus, those that may listen, may take heed to him coming back in his birth, death, and resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, the church say amen. I'm talking about the church that Jesus Christ purchased with his own blood. We know that there's two kinds of churches on the earth today. Amen. That means church means called out once. There's a lot of people 
Amen. They think they've been called out, but they ain't been called out yet. They're still in that that false false religion, false uh, 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 false salvation, claiming Christ and don't know Him. But I'm here today to let you know you got to know Him before you can get caught up in the rapture. Yes, the rapture is almost here, my friends. Let me tell you something. The rapture is almost here. We do not have too much time left for the trumpets to blow. We do not have no time to mess around and screw around and flim-flamming and jiving God, amen, thinking that we got a whole lot of time left before the trumpets blow. We just got a short time because Jesus Christ said before he come back, there's going to be some fulfillments that has to be fulfilled before the rapture comes, because the rapture is the first phase of the second coming of Jesus Christ. There's two phases. There's the rapture of the church, which there is a seven-year tribulation, has to occur after the rapture of the church. After the rapture of the church, a seven-year tribulation will come up on this earth, and judgment will be set up on this earth, and it will take seven years for God to fulfill Amen. This judgment, that, this judgment that will take place within seven years. After the seven years are over, then Christ, Jesus Christ, will literally open up heaven. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be astronomical. It's gonna be mind-boggling. It's gonna be so frightful for those that don't know Jesus Christ. It's gonna be so frightful that men, women captains and all kinds of people will pray to the mountains. They're going to pray to the mountains and tell the mountains, fall on us, hide us from the one that sitteth on the throne. That's found in the book of Revelation 6 chapter. In the latter part of that chapter, you will read what exactly what's going to happen. The sky is going to literally open up. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ. The rapture is the first phase of of the second coming of Jesus Christ. There is a seven-year gap between the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. I want you to get to understand that because some people got a, they got it mixed, messed up. They got a post-rapture. They got a, a mid-rapture of the church, and the church will not be raptured up in the post. It won't be raptured up at the mid. It'll be raptured up at a pre-tribulation. Because the church has to leave before the tribulation can start. We're right standing right on the edge, right on the edge of beginning of the seven-year tribulation. It hasn't started yet, but we're getting a lot of prelude of the tribulation because everything has been set up right now. It's been set up right now for that rapture to occur, and after that, then, then the Antichrist will come. Now, if he's going to come after the rapture and the rapture is near, that means that the Antichrist is alive today. He's alive. He's waiting. He's at the split second. He's waiting for the removal of the body of the church of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that church is the church that Jesus Christ purchased with his own blood, without the shedding of blood. 
There is no remission of sin. You cannot be saved without the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had to shed his blood 2,000 years ago, and the blood of Christ has never lost its power. It saved back there in ancient time. It saves today, and it will be saving all the way up to the end of the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. But before the millennium reign occurred, God has to cleanse the earth and remove sin from the earth. And after he does that, he is going to start the millennium reign. And the only sin that man will have to deal with is the sin of unbelief because the devil is going to be bound. He's going to prison. He is his prison time is getting ready. He's going to be locked up in the bottomless pit, the bottomless pit, the pit where Satan is going to be bound for 1,000 years. He will not be able to, to roam the earth. He won't be able to cause destruction or nothing. Why? Because God is going to lock him up, and he's going to let man deal with the last sin. To prove to mankind that there's one sin you cannot blame on Lucifer. There's one sin you cannot blame on the devil. There's one sin you cannot blame on wicked spirits and demonic demonic demons. There's one sin that you cannot blame on the devil and all his cohorts. And that sin is unbelief. And God is going to give man an opportunity and prove to man, prove to the angels, prove to the cherubim, and prove to the human race that there's one sin that you can go to hell over for good. That sin is unbelief. Why? Because the devil believes. He knows. I come in. I, I, I do you know that. He was once in heaven. He roamed. He walked the streets of gold, seen the jewels and the diamonds. He was in the presence of God Almighty. He knows that God created him, spoke him into existence. He knows that God gave him a position in which he was supposed to remain in. He gave him a position to direct the choir of the heavenly choir. He was directing the praise team. He would get the angels, and he knows that he was a music instrument that would use his music instruments that was inside of his body. Every music instrument that you see today Satan had the power to get the tune and cause the other angels to praise God because God loved praises. He said, the Bible said, praise him in the morning, praise him in the noonday, and praise him when you go to bed at night. Praise him when you come into the house. Praise him when you go out of the house. Why? Because God is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be admired. He is worthy to love. He is worthy to adore. He is worthy for everything because he is God Almighty, self-existent one. Don't have a beginning and don't have an end. He always existed. He always will exist. He will never go out of existence. And he's got power. Woo, you talking about power and the power that he had. He had power enough to become man. He had power enough to go to the cross. He had power enough to lay in the grave for three days and three nights. And he had power to get up on his own power. Woo, what you talking about? 
That means that he had power enough to suffer, power enough to be beaten on and scrutinized and ostracized. He had power to take every sin. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. Take every sin, every sin that man can put up on the cross, every sin that man can put up on Jesus Christ. And we know that the Bible says there's one sin that's unforgivable, and that's blaspheming of the Holy Ghost. And when you walk in unbelief, when you disobey God, you are what? You are in the act of blaspheming God. That's not the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost. The blaspheming of the Holy Ghost is when you are saying that Jesus Christ used the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is the chief spirit of Satan. And the Lord used the Holy Ghost, which belonged to Satan, to cast out devils. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. I hope you can understand that. And only a sinner, only a sinner can blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Only a sinner can. A saint, a born-again believer, a person that loves the Lord cannot blaspheme the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost does not speak against itself. A Holy Ghost does not give anything credit to Satan that what God can do. So a lot of people think they don't blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Well, Paul, Apostle Paul said that I was a blasphemer. In other words, he spoke against the Holy Ghost. He didn't know Jesus Christ. But then when he met Jesus Christ, then the Lord saved him. And he said, now I'm no longer a blasphemer. Blaspheming to speak against. Blaspheming is to take a Holy Holy, Holy Spirit, and use it as a chief spirit of the devil and say it belongs to Satan and Jesus used it to cast out devils. That's blaspheming the Holy Ghost. When you discredit the Holy Ghost, being God himself in the spirit, all right, God himself in the spirit, you speaking against him. For instance, Nebuchadnezzar was in Babylon. When he was in Babylon, he was having a party one night. Oh, he had a big banquet. He was going to celebrate the conquering Babylons. He was going to celebrate the victories that the Babylonians had achieved. He was going to celebrate his kingdom. He was going to celebrate his achievement. And he was having a banquet one night. And as he was at that, that night, about 12 at night, when they was getting really getting, whoo, they were really getting down with it. Oh, they had music, they had drinking, they had women, they had parties, they had drugs, they had all the things that the world enjoy. The world enjoy entertainment. The world enjoy lying and cheating and backbiting. The world enjoying sex, all kinds of wicked uh, uh, actions that they were doing. And Nebuchadnezzar decided since he had conquered Babylon and, and, and conquered all, uh, conquered Jerusalem and brought the children of Israel to Babylon, they took all the vessels that belonged to the Holy Temple, all the vessels, the cups and the basins and the, uh, uh, the, uh, the lavender that they used to offer sacrifice for sin. He took all those vessels and brought them to Babylon and had them in his cupboard, had them in his uh, warehouse. And one night he decided, said, well, I'm going to drink. I'm going to go get those holy vessels. 
the holy vessel, God's vessel that he used for the sin offerings of the people of Israel. He's going to go in and get them holy vessels, those things that belong to God. And anything that God touched, it becomes holy. It is separated. It is set apart and for one reason, and that was to offer sacrifice of sin. So old Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to go in there and get all those vessels, those bowls and those cups and those vessels that I'm going to use, and I'm going to drink out of them. I'm going to use it and drink wine. I'm going to drink uh, uh, Jack Daniel. I'm going to drink all the strong drink that men drink today, and I'm going to use God's holy vessels to use it to enjoy myself out of those vessels. And you know what he done? He did exactly what God detested. God detested. God was upset. You talking about upset? God said, this man is taking my holiness and degrading it. He's taking my vessel that I gave Israel, and he's degrading it. And he is using it for his pleasure. And he went and got those vessels and started drinking out of it. You know what he was doing? He was blaspheming God's holiness because he was taking the holy vessels, using it as an enjoyment. And Satan, Satan is trying to do the Holy Ghost and say the Holy Ghost belongs to Satan, and he's the chief one of the Holy Ghost. And people are blaspheming it today. They're unbelievers. Like I told you, a saved person that's been sanctified and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ cannot discard and use the Holy Ghost as a spirit that belongs to Satan because Satan ain't got nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is God. Holy Ghost is the I am. The Holy Ghost is the shepherd. The Holy Ghost is the comforter. The Holy Ghost discerns evil from good. The Holy Ghost knows what it is. It's the holiness of God. And God got angry, and he came down and took a human hand and wrote on the Babylonian walls. When he wrote on the Babylonian walls, he said, me, 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 Tikal, you forestin. Meaning, your days are numbered, you're weighed in the balance, and you're found wanting. For tonight, you are going to die. And guess what? He died that night. He died that night. When he died that night, they tell me Babylonians was conquered by the Median Persian Empire. And now we're living in a day now that people are taking God for a little playboy. They're taking God for a joke. They're taking God for somebody that's crippled and blind and can't walk. They're taking God for some kind of evil spirit that's got the world in shape. You cannot blame that on God. The only evil spirit and wicked spirit is Lucifer. Lucifer is the God of this age. He is the God of this age. Do you know what that means? That means he he ruled from the Garden of Eden all the way up to 2023, and he's ruling the day. And look what he's doing to the human race. He's degrading it to human race. He's got the human race rebelling against God. Well, let me tell you something. You can rebel, you can rebel, you can rebel, but you can't change God. 
The Bible says, whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For God is not marked. He's the same yesterday, the same forevermore. He ain't changing for me. He ain't changing for you. He ain't changing for the president. He ain't changing for the kings and priests of this earth. He ain't changing for no church member. He ain't changing for no preacher. He ain't changing for no deacon. He's the same God of eternity. He rules the world. A lot of people say, well, if he ruled the world, why ain't he ruling it now? He can't rule it now. Why? Because Satan took over in the Garden of Eden. Because of who? Adam and Eve. If anybody messed up, it was Adam and Eve. Adam knew what was going on. Eve knew what was going on, but she was deceived. And by her deception... Man fell under the power of Lucifer. Lucifer took over. But although he took over, God said, I got a plan. I got a plan that Lucifer don't even know about. I got a plan to do what? I got a plan to restore everything that Satan took. I'm going to restore the human race. I'm going to restore the earth. I'm going to restore the way of people living. I'm going to restore and make everything brand new. But first, I got to let the pendulum of Lucifer swing across 6,000 years of depravity, 6,000 years of killing and murder, 6,000 years because man subject himself unto Lucifer. Man gave up God and what? He took on Lucifer. And since he took on Lucifer, destruction is in the land. Killing is in the land. Raping in in the land. Wars are in the land. Jailhouses is in the land. Whorehouses is in the land. Prostitution is in the land. Murdering is in the land. Everything that the devil is doing, he is raping people's lives and souls. And they what? Amen. If you live, if you live like the devil, walk like the devil, talk like the devil, and die with the devil, the devil says, "I got a place for you. I'm gonna take you to hell." That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to take everybody to hell, but he's not gonna do it. He's not gonna do it because the Bible said, "Whosoever will," Jesus said, "Whosoever will, let him come." And those that come to Jesus Christ, those that repent of their sin, those that throw down all the works and evil works of Satan and repent of their sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. If they come to Jesus, they can be saved by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The Bible said, except Jesus Christ go to Calvary's cross and die and hang, no man can come to God but by Christ. He said, but after he said, yeah, you hung me. You hung me. Yes, you did. You hung me high, and you stretched me wide. You whipped me. 
You called me names. You took off all my clothes and had me partially naked hanging on the cross. You took nails and nailed them to my hand. You took nails and nailed them to my feet. You pierced my side. You took a crown of thorns and threw it on my head. And you ridiculed me. You audacity me. You laughed at me. You bawled your fists up at me. You spit on me. And I believe Jesus said, that's all right. I'm going to do something that I can take you out of sin and bring you into the kingdom of God. That's all right. He said, I'm going to hang. I'm going to hang for six long hours. He said, that's all right. And then he said, I thirst. And they gave him vinegar and old sour wine. He said, that's all right. I'm going to refuse that. And then he said, I'm going to drop my head between the locks of my shoulder. And he said, that's all right. And then he said, I'm going to give up the ghost and say, it is finished. And he said, that's all right. And then he said, I'm going to go down in the grave. He said, that's all right. Right, and then he said, I'm gonna stay down there three days and three nights. And he said, That's all right. And when he went down there, he went down to be a witness. Yeah, he did. He went down to be a witness. He went down there and spoke to Abraham. He spoke to all the patriarchs that was already down there in the bowels of the earth in a place called paradise. And then he went over on the cross side on the other side of the great gulf, and he spoke to the wicked spirits that were bound up in a place called Tartars. And he said, now I come to tell you I got the victory. Yes, I do. I got the victory. I'm just only going to be down here but three days and three nights, but I want to tell you something. Satan said, if he get up back on top side, I'm done. I'm done. I'm finished. If he get back on uh, top side, I can't do nothing but try to do all I can to prevent men from going to Calvary's cross. I'm going to put all kind of obstacles in front of the human race to get them to deny the cross. And I believe I believe why uh, Jesus was in hell. This is come from the spirit of my mind. I believe, oh, corruption and death sit down and start talking. And I believe that, oh, corruption said, if you can hold him, if you can hold him at least four days or five days, I can corrupt him. And death said, I'm going to hold him if he come down here. And since he was down there, the old death said, I see him coming. Mm-hmm. And when he come, I don't know if I can stand up against him. No, you can't stand up against Jesus, Satan. You don't have no power when it comes to Jesus. And now he's down in your territory. And old death said, here he come. And old corruption said, now, if you hold him, if you hold him, I'll corrupt him. And they, when he came down there, old Bessie, I'm going to take a grab of him. And they tell me one thing about him. He couldn't grab him, and he couldn't hold him. He couldn't do nothing with him. He had to walk on by and go in and tell those that was in uh, uh, paradise. Yeah. And those was in the paradise was the Old Testament saints. Uh, all those that died before Christ were in the place called paradise. And Ezekiel was there. Isaiah was there. Jeremiah was there. Habakkuk was there. Moses was there. Malachi was there. Lord, have mercy. Ruth was there. Abraham was there. Jacob was there. Oh, 
yes, it was. All those were there, and while they were there, they were waiting to be delivered. And while Jesus stayed down there in three days and three nights, he let them know, I am the Redeemer. I am the one that you've been waiting for. I can see Job down there saying, I'm wait till my change come, for I know my Redeemer liveth. I seen Ezekiel down there arranging the dry bones. I seen Isaiah down there talking about this is a suffering servant in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. I seen Malachi saying now he's a refiner's fire and a full of soap. I seen Solomon saying he's a rose of Sharon and lily of the valley and brighter than the morning star. Good God Almighty. I seen oh oh Jacob said <clears throat> Oh, Jacob said, uh, there's a scepter that come, uh, there's a tuft of righteousness. And he said, there's a scepter that come out of Judah. And uh, they said, um, uh, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor long over between his feet until Shiloh come, and there will be the people be gathered to be. He said, this is the one that's going to deliver my soul. My soul cries out, mm, hallelujah. And after the three days and three nights, uh, guess what happened? Jesus said, it's time for me to get up on out of here. Mm-hmm. And on the third day, the third day, the third day, the third day, oh, Lord, he got up out the grave with all power in heaven and earth in his hand. He got up early, early, early Sunday morning with all power in heaven and earth in his hand. He got up. Mm, and nobody was there but the angels of heaven. Nobody was there, mm, and nobody had to call mm, the paraplegics. Nobody had to call the Nobody had to call uh, the paramedics. Nobody had to call a construction company. And nobody had to call a crane to pull him out the grave. Nobody, oh, because he got up. On his own power. Do you hear what I said? He got up on his own power in heaven and earth in his hand. He got up and they tell me heaven rejoice. Uh, Lord have mercy. He got up just like he said he would. And since he got up, the disciples say, well, they don't kill the Savior. And they went on back to fishing and figuring that ain't nothing going to happen after he said he was going to get up. But when he got up, they didn't even believe it. And old Dottie Thomas said, I won't believe that he got up out the grave until I see the nail prints in his hand. Dottie Thomas. All the disciples went back to fishing. And after they went back to fishing, about that time, for three days, they didn't have time enough to get the boat out on the water. The, 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 the mother of Jesus and Mary Magdalene come running from the tomb said, He is risen! He is risen! Who's risen? Jesus has risen from the grave! What? Are you kidding? Are you joking? Are you playing around? Are you clowning? You mean to tell me he's up and out of the grave? Oh, that's hard to believe. Never in history, never in eternity, never in the ions of the eon have a man ever died and rose from the grave on his own power. I ain't never heard that. That's unbelievable. But you don't know who you were dealing with. You were dealing with Elohim. You were dealing with Yeshua. 
You were dealing with the Jewish Messiah. You were dealing with the God of gods and the Lord of lords. If you say that I'm only one God, I'm God the Father, I'm God the Son, and I'm God the Holy Ghost, I'm all three in one. I'm co-equal with each other. I, I, I didn't come on my own. My Father sent me. And since my Father sent me, he's only one that is able to do what he did. And since I came, I came in the flesh. And I dwelt among men. And they beheld my glory of the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. I'm in the midst of God. I'm God of all creation. I'm God of the all eons. I'm God of God aeons. I'm God of eternity. Jesus, the Son of God, came out of the grave. And we're coming up on the Easter Sunday. I don't like to even call it Easter Sunday. Easter came from the word Esther, which means a pagan goddess. When Jesus called, came from the grave, it was on resurrection morning, and that's it. There was no Easter bunnies. There was no eggs. There was no jumping around. There was none of that. Jesus got up on not Easter Sunday. He got up on resurrection morning, and he got now. He got all power in his hand. Before he died, God did not have power to save nobody. Now, think about that. God didn't have the power to save anybody. In the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost came and went, came and went. Came and went. Came and went. Why? Because sin was still there. There was no blood offering that was able to take sin away forever. The only thing the animals were used for was a blood sacrifice to cover sin in the Old Testament from all the way over from Genesis to Malachi 400 years 400 years and nothing was said until John the Baptist came and said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. God didn't have the power to save nobody until, listen to me, he didn't have no power to save nobody until after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the Holy Spirit, now the Holy Ghost, now God can live inside of man through the Holy Spirit by the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Now man can be saved by God's grace and his love forever. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute, look over here. You mean when Christ died, salvation came, and we call it eternal redemption? God saves somebody. He saves them forever. You cannot walk out of salvation. You can't take the Holy Ghost and throw it away. The Holy Ghost is in you forever. And the reason it's in you forever, because of what Christ done. He died for your sins, all of them, your past, your present, and your future. Now he has washed you and removed sin from your soul and from your spirit. Now you are a child of God. Make no difference what you got to go through. Pastor Paul said, what can separate me from the love of God 
that's found in Christ Jesus. He said nothing, 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 absolutely nothing. A lot of people say, what you mean absolutely nothing? In the book of Romans, in the book of Romans, amen, we find the word of God. Look what we see in Romans. What we see in Romans? We see Apostle Paul writing to the Romans, and he wrote to the Romans, and this is what he said. Look at this. Look at this. In the in the eighth chapter of Romans, he said, look here, what can separate me? Huh? What can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Nothing. He said, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Listen what it said. It says this. Romans 8th chapter. 8th chapter, we're going to start at the 32nd verse in the 8th chapter of Romans. Rome. Roman through Apostle Paul's right. 32nd chapter, the 8th verse. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God elect? It is God who justifies. Who is, who is he who condemned? It is Christ who died. Yeah, brother. Who is risen again? Who is even in the who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Or distress? No. Or persecution? No. Or famine? No. Or nakedness? No. Or peril? No. Or sword? No. It is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more, we are more, we are more, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Loved us. For I am persuaded, I am convinced, I am certified, I am sanctified, I am glorified through Jesus Christ. For I am persuaded neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm telling you this evening, nobody can separate me from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. No, not nothing. Nothing in this world can separate me. When I come to know Jesus Christ, and whenever you come to know Jesus Christ, nothing can separate you, the love of God. Many people say, well, they get saved, then they can be lost again. They get saved, then they be lost again. They get saved, they be lost again. God does not work like that. 
He's died once and for all, and one time he can come to your life and come inside your life. He got you forever. He will never, never let you go. He said, I will never forsake you nor leave you. Lo, I'll be with you always until the end of the world, because we're not saved by good works. We're not saved by how we look. We're saved by the grace of God. And when Christ comes in there, he comes in there to stay. He seals you with the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. Good God Almighty. There's a lot of people mm -hmm, have backslid, and they say, well, I ain't saved no more. Well, you are putting Christ in an open chain. Because he said, now you belong to me. I am married to a backslider. I'm married to one that have backslid. And backsliding means that you're not doing the will of God. You're not loving right. Backsliding means that you have a form of godliness, but you don't have that power to come out of what you're supposed to come out of. And let me tell you, he said, I forgive you 70 times 70. That means 490 times a day. The Lord said, I'll forgive you if you sin against me. But let me tell you, if you sin, that means that when you sin, um, you got asked for forgiveness. And he said, I already forgave you. But you got to pay the penalty of sin. In other words, if you do something wrong, amen, God still loves you. He still wants you to do what he wants you to do. And that's what, what he wants you to do. He wants you to walk, walk upright and give him the glory and give him the love and give him the attention and give him everything you got so that you can show somebody else, amen, that you know the man that came from Galilee, that you know the man who died and suffered for you. Yes, yes, salvation is free. And whenever time God gives a gift, he's not no Indian giver. An Indian giver takes it back when things go wrong in your life. And if you're a Christian, amen, you may not be uh, 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 on, on fire, but let me tell you, that don't mean you, you're not a Christian because if you accepted him in part of your life, amen, Jesus Christ said, I got you. No man, no woman, no demon, no power in heaven or in earth can pluck you out of his hand. You're in God's hand. Child, what you talking about? Don't let nobody tell you what you know you got tell you that you don't have it. You ought to know that you know that you know that you know you've been born again. But the world is playing seesaw with God. God is not no seesaw God. He's real God. He's the God of the ages. And we are living in a time now where the church age is almost over. My friends, let me tell you, the church age is almost over. Brother Bazaar is not talking out the side of his neck. He's not talking off for something that he don't know. The Bible already told us that he's coming back. For 2,000 years, men, preachers, and, 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 and evangelists have been telling men, women, boys, and girls, Jesus is coming back. And some people say, oh, that ain't true. That ain't true. Well, you don't know it's true until you experience what the words say. He said, I'm coming back as a thief in the night. No man knows the hour nor day. He said, but I'm going to give you some signs. I'm going to give you some warnings. I'm giving you everything to let you know that he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He may not come when you want him to come, but when he do come, he's on time. And now we're living in that last, last, last church age, the last church age. Well, what, 
is the last church age going to be like? The last church age is found in the book of Revelation. The Laodicea church is found in the third chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Revelation is the revealing revealing Christ from heaven, the unrevealing of Christ from heaven. Christ has already been revealed one time when he was born and wrapped in the squalid clothes. But the first time he come, came, he did not come. For he, he didn't come to judge the world. He come to bring judgment upon sin. And the judgment upon sin is that he took our sins and nailed them to the cross. When justice was ready to cut civilization apart, Jesus Christ came and died for the sins of the world. I should be dead now. I should be dead yesterday. I should be dead before, after I was born. But justice had to get away from mercy because mercy said, I know he's a sinner. I know he, he, he's doomed for hell. I know that, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to bring mercy, grace. Through the cross, Jesus Christ took your sins. He died for your sins. Now, if you want to keep on living in sin and doing your own thing and rejecting the fact of sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, you one day going to have to pay for your own sins. You have to pay for them. But the Bible said the wages of sin is death. What kind of death? Spiritual death. What do you get if you die of your sin? You get to be separated from God Almighty forever. That's your payment. That's what you're going to get paid for because that's what you work for. You work for Satan. You work in unbelief. You work lying, cheating, backbiting, killing, adultery. You worked in sin. That was, You labored in sin. You had good time in sin. You did whatever you But the end of your life, if you die without Christ, if you die without salvation, if you die without being washed in the blood of the Lamb, if you die without the love of God in your heart, like the Bible says you should have love, you have to pay for your own sin. And I don't want to pay for my own sin. No. I ain't paying. And I told the devil, I ain't paying for my sin. I ain't paying for what you called me to do. I'm going to let Jesus pay for my sins. I'm going to let Jesus wash away my sin. I'm going to let Jesus sanctify my soul. I'm going to let Jesus fill me with the love of God. I'm going to let Jesus, amen, look at him and ask him for forgiveness. And I'm sorry for my sins, and I want to repent of my sin. And I want you to come on into my life by the blood of Jesus Christ, that I can be saved from my sin so when I die, I will not have to go to hell because my sins are washed in the blood of the Lamb. If my sin is not ever washed in the blood of the Lamb and I die, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. You're going to hell if you don't get saved. If you don't come to Christ and let him save your soul. Now you only got one. There's no reruns on life. 
You can't live 40, 50, or 60, or 70 years and then get ready to die and say, Lord, I want to do my life over again. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. Give me another chance. Well, God will give you more than one chance. He don't give you a chance of a lifetime. But you live like you wanted to live. You gave yourself over to Lucifer and tried to serve God at the same time. You did what you wanted to do. Now you got to take all your sins that you've done and pay for it. And the payment is eternal payment, eternal destruction, eternal agony, eternal fire, gnashing and gashing of teeth. That's your payment. You chose that payment. You love life so good and you live so good. And you don't have to live good to go to hell. You, you, you can live bad and go to hell. What I mean, poor folks can go to hell. Rich folks can go to hell. Black folks can go to hell. White folks can go to hell. The big kings and queens in prison can go to hell. The reason they're going to hell is not because of the color of their skin, but because they got sin in their soul. They got sin in their spirit. They reject what the only, only, only royal sacrifice of Jesus Christ in his shed blood. Because the only power, the only power that's able to save your soul is in the blood of Jesus Christ because it's God's blood. God became human and he had his own blood system. Spotless, righteous, consecrated, dedicated blood. No sin nowhere. Not a spot of sin. And the power that the blood has, it can wash you, your soul, your spirit, and make you whiter than snow. It can cleanse you of all your sins and make you fit for heaven. By the blood of Jesus Christ, not by your works, not by your education, not by how you walk or how you talk, not by how your uh, genealogy, your bloodline, your progenitors or those that that, 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 that were born before you and, and, and your royal family because there ain't no such thing as a royal family until Jesus Christ come into your life. Because we all come from one blood. That one blood was Adam and Eve. And it took 6,000 years for the earth to be populated. At the population that's on the earth now is 7.6 to 8 billion people. And all of them, all those that were born is not the seed of man. Satan got his seed down here. Satan has his seed down here. He is working to try to stop and corrupt, still trying to corrupt the human race. He did it in the pre and divinal world. He's trying to do it through the divinal world on down to now. And it is called what? It is called Nephilim, where at one time, during the flood of Noah, Angels came down to earth. Now listen, angels came down to earth and cohabitated 
with the daughters of men and brought forth Nephilims, which were giants, a corrupt seed of Satan. Satan tried to corrupt the human race ever since he fell from heaven, and he's still trying to do it. And by that, God knows exactly what's his seed from mankind and the seed of Satan because he wants to destroy what God has made because he's jealous, he's mad, he done lost his mind. He knows he's damned forever in hell. H-E-L-L, and you can't stand, you can't stop saying L. There's a lot of L's in there because it's eternity. And the world has been warned for 6,000 years that Jesus Christ is coming back. God is going to judge the world. The world can't go on too much longer like this. And the people of this planet is saying, ha, 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 ha. Oh, man, that's a bunch of bull. That's what the world is saying. That's a bunch of bull. And then you got some folks that say, well, I, I kind of believe it, but they ain't saved. They have given their life to Christ. They got a form of godless, but they ain't got no power, which is the Holy Ghost power, to love one another to love God and to put God first in their life. They're second-rate so-called Christian because let me tell you, if you're a child of God, been born again, you know you've been born again, and you ain't playing around, you serious about what you uh, do for God and say to your fellow man, guess what? You better be born when Christ comes back. Because when he comes back, as you know in the scriptures, it says he's going to come back like a twinkling of an eye. A twinkling of an eye. And just before he come back, he says some biblical prophecies must be fulfilled. The biblical prophecies meaning that before Christ comes back, things are going to take place in Jerusalem and around the world to show the world that Christ is soon to come back. And here's one of them. One of them is that the Euphrates River, before the rapture, the Euphrates River is going to be practically dried up now. It's drying up now. And it started drying up 35 years ago. 35 years ago until now, they tell me you almost can walk across the Euphrates River because that's a sign just before the rapture. The sign before the rapture is one of those signs is the drying up of the Euphrates River. And underneath the Euphrates River, since it's done got so low now, there are caverns and caves underneath the river. And since the river then went down, the archaeologists and the geologists and the eschatologists have went over and found caves underneath the Euphrates River that can be seen right now, and they have found out that underneath and inside those caves, they hear the sounds of groaning, groaning, and hollering and change of demonic demons. Four angels are bound up. Four angels. Now, listen to this Bible. I didn't read this in no funny book. Playboy pen. I, I didn't read this in no dictionary. I didn't read this in no 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 good housekeeping. I didn't read this in no magazine. 
This is in the Bible that said before the rapture, the Euphrates will be ready to be dried up. And underneath those caves and inside of those caves are bound four angels. And these four angels will be set loose in due time. They're going to be set loose during the tribulation period. But right now, they're hearing voices. And I mean, this is real. This is no play. If you don't believe me, go over there for yourself. Spend you a couple thousand dollars and go over there yourself and look at what you can hear and see and feel the presence of wicked angels ready to be set loose. And when they are set loose, they're going to be set loose in the time of the tribulation period. That's Bible prophecy saying it's going to happen in the future. It's already drying up, so that's one. You're already hearing voices and chains and groaning for these angels to be set loose. They're terrible-looking creatures. And then you got war coming on the sea. War. War with who? In the book of Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, the 38th and 39th chapter of Ezekiel, Gog and Magog, Meshach and Tubal, which is modern-day Russia, and Ezekiel wrote that in the last day, just before Christ raptured the church, there's going to be a war come on the scene, and when it come on the scene, it will be started by Gog and Magog. Listen to me now. Gog and Magog. In the 38th chapter and the 39th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel says Gog and Magog, the kings of the north, will muster up an army and come down up on Israel's mountains and go into Israel and try to conquer Israel. And the only nation right now that's in that position and in the signs of the times that we're living in, this is it. This is in the news. This is in the news. This ain't in the news like it's supposed to be. NBC and ABC ain't announcing it. I'm talking about the gospel news. I'm talking about in the Bible. I'm talking about in, in men who are preaching the Bible. I'm talking about men who's holding up the bloodstained banner. Russia will make an attack up on Israel. Gog and Magog, Meshach and Tubal, who is that? The prince. It's Putin. This is what I'm saying. It's Putin. Putin now, the messed up Ukraine, killing babies, wiping out families, tearing up the, the 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 cities and bombing everything that moves. And he 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 thinks he he ain't doing nothing, but he's a murderer. He's a cold blooded murderer. He don't care nothing about nobody. And that's that's Russia's traits. Russia's always been a bare, hungry, flesh-eating nation. They kill people. They do everything they can to try to rule 
people and control people. Now we're living in the last days, just before the rapture. And just before the rapture and during the rapture, there's going to be a World War III. We don't have three war, two wars already, World War One, World War Two. We don't have wars in between. Uh, 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 this war that's coming up, we had Korean War, we had Vietnam War, we had war ever since the beginning of time, and the first war was recorded in the 14th chapter of Genesis. The last war will be concluded at Armageddon. Armageddon will be the final war on this side of the millennium reign. And after the millennium reign, God is going to let men go and, 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 and rebuilt the population, and at the end of the millennium reign, Satan is going to be loose one more time, one more time, one more time. And those that did not get saved during the millennium reign is going to muster up the last army, and it is called Gog and Magog, and they are going to gather around Jerusalem and try to burn it again. They try to burn it. In the Babylonian, get rid of it. They tried to, all through human history. The Jews have been ostracized. And now, this World War III is getting ready to be mustered up. The Bible says this in the 38th and 39th chapter. I'm going to read some of it. I won't be able to go all the way through it, but it says this. Now, this, this, this is Bible prophecy getting ready to happen. This is what it says. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Gog is another name for what? The Antichrist. Now, get me right. Gog is not the Antichrist. Putin is not the Antichrist, but he has that spirit of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is coming from the West. But this year, typify Antichrist against God or try to take the place of God. The third verse says, and say, thus says the Lord God. I didn't say it. The prophets didn't say it, but the prophets said that God said it, so they wrote it down. When they wrote it down, they said, they said, the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O God, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you back and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you forth and all your armies, horses, and horsemen, all of them clothed in all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, and all of them handling swords. Persia, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, with them, all of them, with shields and helmets. Gomer, all his bands, the house of Togomar, and the northern quarters, and all his bands, and many people with you. 
Right now, Russia's in trouble, serious trouble, bad trouble. They don't have no food. The army's been almost wiped out, so Putin don't have nobody to, to replace those men. Their equipments are being annihilated. Their army has been dwindled down by trying to take Ukraine. They don't have no food. They're looking for a, 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 a bread basket where they can get food, oil, gas, potash. Potash is fertilizer for growing. They don't have nothing to enrich their soils. The farmers ain't farming like they used to. All this money that Putin is spending is going to warfare. So that leaves him broke to feed the people. And the people are tired of him doing what he's doing, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, and it's going to happen. And if it's in the Bible, ain't nobody can stop it. If it's in the Bible, it's authentic. If it's in the Bible, it's fact that Russia is going to plan to invade Israel. And he has to have a gateway to come past the Black Sea to get to Israel, and that's what he's working on. And now his army is dwindling, and he needs more ammunition. He needs more men. He needs everything to make this invasion this invasion to try to get victory. So these are the nations that's going to join him in confederation. Persia, which is Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer, which is Germany, and all his bands, the house of Togoma, which is Turkey, of the northern quarters, and all his bands, and many people with you. He's going to have a, listen, 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 one, two, three, four, five, five nations are going to link up with Russia and have an army that will cover the land like a cloud. And they are going to make Provisions to come down on the mountains of Israel, the mountains of Israel, the holy mountain, the land that God gave the Jews three or four thousand years ago. He's going to make it an invasion up on the land and come down from the northern parts and invade. Israel. Seventh verse. Be thou prepared and prepare yourselves. You and all your company who are assembling unto you, and be you a guard unto them. Be prepared refers to a taunt given by the Holy Spirit to the Antichrist. In other words, prepare yourselves to the very best of your ability and still it will avail nothing, as you will totally be defeated. In other words, they're going to prepare themselves, these five nations, join up with the Russia and come down on the land and be prepared. 
the eighth verse. After many days you shall be visited. That's what you're talking about. In the time that Ezekiel wrote this was 606 B.C. and beyond. He made that prophecy about 26, 2700 years ahead of time. That the time is coming in what? The latter years. You will come into the land that is brought back from the sword. In other words, the Jews was brought back to the land which was under the swords of the Muslim nations. And by being under the sword of the Muslim nations, they've been brought back. This is being prepared now. That is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountain of Israel which have been always waste, but it is brought back forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safe. In other words, Israel is in the land now, and they're being brought back into the land that was void, that was desolate. And now the land is plentiful. Israel is prospering. Woo, they're prospering. Why? Because Jesus Christ said, these are my chosen people, and I'm going to provide for them. I am going to protect them. I am going to nurse them. I'm going to keep them. I'm going to do everything that I have the power to do to let the world know, don't mess with my people. You're messing with my people. You're messing with the apple of mine eye. After many days, in the latter years, refers this present time and the immediate future. Therefore, any claims that this chapter has already been fulfilled is not true. It's being fulfilled. The land that is brought back from the sword refers to many conflicts Israel has had since the beginning of a nation in 1948. All is gathered out of many people refers to the various nations, such as Egypt, Syria, Iraq, which did not desire to become a nation, and which therefore greatly opposed her. These nations didn't want Israel to become a nation, but they, she became a nation anyway, and they opposed it, and they don't want Israel in that land. But is it brought back forth out of a national a nation pertaining to the United Nations, voting that Israel will become a state with even Russia voting her approval. And they shall dwell safely. Woo! All of them refers to the terrible horror of the Holocaust in World War II with six million Jews slaughtered by Hitler. And Israel then demanding a homeland. Instead of being scattered all over the world, their feeling was that if this could be obtained, then the, the, the world, they would be safe if they come back into the land. So when Hitler killed six million Jews, slaughtered them, boiled them, cooked them, stripped them, skinned them, made fertilizer out of them, lampshades out of them, took their hair and made wigs. They, they mutilized Israel. Six million Jews were slaughtered. 
Why did God let that happen? God didn't let that happen. Israel rejected Jesus Christ. When they rejected their Messiah at the cross, they told God, we don't need you. After the six million Jews were slaughtered in in the 40s by Adolf Hitler, the Jewish nation began to recognize the word of God and figure the reason they suffered because they rejected their Messiah and this was a chastisement that God permitted six million Jews to be killed to let them know without the Messiah and receiving the Messiah, there's no hope for Israel. They got to come back and recognize that the God of gods and the Lord of lords is the one that Isaiah talked about in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. He said, believe our report as whom of the arms of the Lord is revealed. He shall grow up like a tender plant. That means that this Messiah that will come will be the crucified one, and the Jews rejected him. And by rejecting him, they had to go through a six million holocaust. And after the Holocaust, they finally said, we've got to go back to Jerusalem, our homeland. And when we get out of our homeland, we are going to return to the great God and return to our Messiah. And now they're back in their land. And since they're back in their land, they're looking for the Messiah. But when they look for this Messiah, it's still going to be the wrong one. Because there is a there is a man that's in the earth today that was born in 1968, and since he was born in 1968, he is now in Jerusalem. How do you know all that? You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. You got to fast and pray. You got to be committed. You got to be dedicated. You got to be consecrated to know what God is saying in His Word. So the Jews have suffered six million loss. 1948, they became a nation for the first time over the period of 2,700 years, and now they're looking for the Messiah, and they're preparing what? Here's another prophecy that's going, that's going to be fulfilled. They're preparing to rebuild the third temple. The third temple is for them to offer up animal sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. And they're going to find out that this is done away with it. There's no more offerings of sacrifices of animals and goats and turtle doves and lambs and sheep and bullocks and red heifers. No more offering that. But God is so merciful in his love, he's going to let them go ahead through this and they're going to find out that this Messiah that's alive today is a fake, phony, quack instrument that Lucifer is going to use to try to deceive the world and believe it that he is Jesus Christ. And so they're getting ready to build a third temple in preparations now, right now. You don't hear this on the news because it's Something to do with biblical principles. This is what God telling the world. When you see the Jews getting ready to rebuild a temple, they got all the instruments. They got all the material. They got the priesthood back. They got the menorah back. 
They got the spot in which they're going to build the temple, and they're working on it right now. And the world is saying, oh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. If you don't believe in the word of God, you're going to find yourself in some serious trouble. Because when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to come in a twinkling of an eye. The Lord is going to rapture the church. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene. He's going to give a covenant to the Jews and tell them, y'all can build y'all temple. I'm going to make a seven-year covenant with you that said that no nation will be able to touch you for seven years. I will protect you, and the Jews are going to believe it, and they're going to believe that this man is the, is the Christ that they've been looking for, but he's the Antichrist, and he's going to say, Build the temple. Build the temple. I will vouch for you. I will sign a covenant with you for seven years. The seven years is the fulfillment of the 490 years that God promised to work with the Jews. He don't work with the Jews all the way up to the cross. That was 483 years. He cut them off at the cross because they rejected him, and by they rejected him, he still owed them seven years. And then he put in the church age. The church age came in by the Jewish people. There was 120 Jews in the upper room, and they started off with the church, but they finally said, we don't want the Messiah, and the Gentiles was grafted in. That's where we come in at. The heathen nations was grafted in. And when they was grafted in, they was grafted in so they could stir up jealousy amongst the Jews. And now the fullness of the Gentiles is almost over, and the Gentiles are saying to themselves, we are going to let the Jews build their temple. We are going to support them. And then when they do that, this is a sign that the rapture is near. Ooh, the rapture is almost here. These are Bible prophecies that's yet being set on the table. And as it's set on the table, minute by minute, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, we're coming close to the blowing of the trumpets of the sofar. And when they blow on a certain day, on a certain month, on a certain time, no man knows the day or the hour, but when he comes, he's coming on the feast days, the feast days, seven feast days that's going to be fulfilled, and four of them have been fulfilled on time. There's only three more to be fulfilled, and the three that's been Get ready to be fulfilled is the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacle. The first four has been fulfilled. That's the Feast of the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and the Feast of what? Pentecost. Been fulfilled. The church age is almost over. And then at the church age, will be over at the Feast of Trumpets. Oh, my God. The trumpets represent all. Represents judgment, represent restitution, represent recompense, represent retribution. It's going to be a time in which the body of Christ will be excommunicated from the planet Earth. From the planet Earth. Church, wake up. Church, wake up. Quit sleeping. Quit slobbering. Preachers, wake up. Deacons, wake up. Teenagers, wake up. Jesus Christ is coming back whether you like it or not. 
He's coming back to get the body of Christ. Not no specific denomination, or denomination ain't in this. Because you're Baptist, Presbyterian, Roman Catholic, Seventh-day Adventist, Atheist, Satanic churches, occult churches, ain't got nothing to do with being caught up in the air. Because if you haven't been born again, you're going to be left here amongst the unbelievers. And you're going to have to face the ultimate Antichrist. The Antichrist will be nothing like ever before on the planet. He's going to be a beast of beasts. He is going to try to wipe out every human being on the planet. He's going to try to control every person on this planet. And he's making preparations now. Because there's a time coming when man, woman, boy, and girl will not be able to buy or sell unless they receive the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast, let me tell you what it is. It's a computer chip. A lot of people say, oh, I don't know about that. Yes, it is. It is a computer chip. It's going to be inserted in your right hand or on your forehead. And when you receive this computer chip during the mid mid midsection of the latter part of the three and one and a half years of the tribulation, once you receive this mark, it's irreversible. Once you receive this mark of the beast, you will be able to buy and sell. You will be able to get to your bank account. You will be able to keep your house. You will be able to continue to drive your car. You will be able to buy gas. You will be able to buy groceries. You will be able to do all the things that you have been doing. But once you receive the mark, that means that you have turned your back totally, totally, ultimately, turn your back on the birth of Jesus Christ, on the miracles of Jesus Christ, on the suffering of Jesus Christ, on the death of Jesus Christ, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and on the second coming of Jesus. You have totally turned your back on the crucifixion. And when you turn your back by receiving this mark totally on the crucifixion, there is no reversible. You can't reverse it. And underneath your skin will be planted a chip. And this chip, once it gets into your body, it automatically changes your DNA. It destroys your consciousness of God. It destroys your consciousness of holiness and righteousness. It destroys everything that concerns to the spiritual realm who God is. And guess what? It has a control module in it that when you receive it, in process of time, your skin will break out with boils, and you will be a walking zombie. You will be in a damnable state forever, forever, and forever. And if you don't believe me, read the book of Revelation, and it will tell you all those that receive the mark will be damned. Why? Because they rejected the only plan that man can be delivered from sin, and that is the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are damned forever. You don't have to worry about going to church. You don't have to worry about singing in the choir. You don't have to worry about taking collection. You don't have to worry about that because that ain't going to be in the picture. It's going to be by faith that you reject This technology plan that Satan is setting up right now. And those that refuse to receive them all, they will be beheaded by the guillotine. The guillotine is in the United States. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. This is not your daily news. This is Bible news. The guillotine is in the United States. And the guillotine is going to be used in the United States. And you are going to be shocked at who authorized 60,000 guillotines to be shipped to the United States in the time of the Obama presidency. It was Barack Obama. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. Barack Obama authorized that the Western Europe send him 60,000 60, guillotines to the United States and hide them in the army bases down there in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, and Alabama, all down in the lower states. He got them hid in military bases. And Barack Obama says he believes in capital punishment. It's the easiest way to get rid of a criminal. But that's not in his plan. His plan is in the end game. And the end game is, is when the United States link up with the European common market and the Euro coming market will be controlled by the Antichrist. And America came from Britain, all those European countries. They're going to link up. The United States is going to link up. And the world is going to link up with this Antichrist. And he's going to authorize that the guillotine be used to kill Christians. Christians will be slaughtered in the United States. It will be slaughtered in foreign countries. Why? Because it's called the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation. The great tribulation in which Satan will take control of the whole world for a period for about seven years. At the end of the seven years, it will come to a head, and they will meet Jesus Christ at the battle of Armageddon. And all the armies of the world will converge on Jerusalem to try to stop try to stop Jesus Christ from coming back to earth with the church. With the church. Not the Baptist church. Not the Presbyterian church. Not the church of Satan. Not the church of atheism. Not the church of agnosticism. Not the church of Buddhism, Shintoism, Taoism. Not the church of Islam. No, no, no. In old, it will be the saints of God that have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and them only. They will come and they will come in the clouds with Jesus Christ. 
and that is found in the book of Revelation at the 19th chapter and the 11th verse. That is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ come back with the church, and guess what's going to happen when he get ready to come back? Listen. Listen what's happening. I don't want to get off of this God and make God. We'll get back with that later on. But that's, that's World War Three is coming. World War Three is coming. And when it comes, it's going to be coming during the time of the tribulation period. But it's, the table is being set right now. Because just a few more months, Russia is going to build her, uh, her nuclear army and build her army with more men. The five nations that I talked about, amen, they would join Russia, and they would make in a, a lewd attempt to come down on the holy mountain, and God is going to swipe them from the face of the earth, and he's going to rain brimstone and fire, and he's going to cause such a delusion and such a, a great holocaust, and the men in the army is going to kill each other, and buzzards and people are going to be burying their bodies for seven months. They're going to be burying their warfare for seven years. It's going to be hell on earth because God is saying, I ain't letting you take my people. You can forget about that. But at the end of the tribulation period, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Listen to me real good. In the 19th chapter of Revelation, I read this over and over again. Read this a lot of times. Here it is. In the 11th chapter, John said, John the Revelator, John the one that wrote the book of Revelation, it was given from God to Jesus Christ. Christ gave it to the angels. The angels gave it to John, told him to write to the seven churches of Asia Minor and tell them what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen at the end of the tribulation period. It will be all over for the worldly empires and for the armies of the world. He said, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And he said, and righteousness, nigga here, he does judge and make war. His eyes were flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written on, written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vessel dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the and the armies. This is the church right here. This is the only time that the church is mentioned, and he didn't mention it. No denominational, non-denominational. The nomination ain't got nothing to do with it. And he says, and the armies, the church, which were in heaven, followed him up on what? White horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. With it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth with the church to rule with a rod of iron. In other words, tough love during the millennium reign. And he tread the winepress of his fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. God is angry right here. God is angry. 
And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls who fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. During the time of the battle of Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon is going to be horrific. God's going to call the buzzards and all the ravenous birds to come and eat the flesh of men, horses, and everything. The blood will be so deep in the valley of Megiddo that it will come up to a horse's bridle over the the area of 200 square miles. Up to the horse's bridle is the great slaughter of the great day of the Lord God Almighty, and the church will participate in judgment with Jesus Christ because what he did on Calvary Cross gives God the right to save those that want to be saved. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be there when they come from the glories of heaven? Do you want to be there when they crown him Lord of all? Do you want to be there when they call out and say, who's going to break the seven seals? Do you want to be there when they call out and sing, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God? Do you want to be there when they call out and say, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant? You've been faithful of a few things, I'll be your reward of many. Do you want to be there when they see him face to face? Do you want to be there when they say, oh, time, time that now shall be no longer? Do you want to be there? Do you want to be there? This whole earth is on its last leg. Do you want to be there? 19th chapter of Revelation says that Jesus Christ is coming back to the earth with the church. That's it. The church is in the 19th chapter of Revelation. And if you will read that, you read it exactly the way I read it out of my Bible, because I got the same Bible if you got it. If, you got, if, if it ain't in, it, in your Bible, you got the wrong Bible, because this is what my Bible, and my Bible is the Word of God. My Bible has 66 books. My Bible is written by holy men as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. My Bible is God's Word. My Bible is real. My God is authentic. And what he said he's going to do in this Bible, he's going to do it. So if you've got the understanding of the seven-year tribulation, which is getting ready to come up on the earth, and just before Putin, amen, find out that he can get five armies of five nations, he's going to get an evil thought. And the evil thought is, I'm going down here upon the mountain of Israel and get me some victuals, get me food, get me water, get me gas, get me oil. I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, and I'm going to rule the world from that spot. But he, his demons, and the nations, it's a lying wonder. God is not going to let Nobody mess with his people. And that's the Jews. 
to the Ezekiel said this was going to happen. This is what it said right out of the book. You shall ascend and come like a storm. You shall be like a cloud. Cover the land, you and all your bands and many people with you. World War Three was started by Russia. It's going to end up with Armageddon. Thus says the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at that same time shall things come into your mind. This is what's going to come into your mind. This is what's going to come into people's mind. Listen to what it says. And you shall think an evil thought. The evil thought will consist of plans of the Antichrist inspiring to destroy Israel and the Jews. That plan is the battle of Armageddon. That's the plan. The evil thought is when Putin says, I'm going to go down here and start this thing off. I'm going to ignite it. And I'm going to go on the Holy Mountains, and I'm going to go on down in Jerusalem and get all that food. And I'm not going to drop no bomb on them. I'm not going to uh, blow up Jerusalem. I'm going to go down and use ancient weaponry. And I'm going to wipe out the land, kill the people, and take over the government. That's what he wants to do. He don't want to bomb. He wants to go ahead and move in. And you shall say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. And I will go to them who are at rest, who dwell safely. And all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. The unwalled villages dwelling without walls and having neither bars or gates refer to Israel's effort to mobilization to be rather weak, at least in the mind of the Antichrist. Once they try to attempt, Putin tried to attempt to capture Jerusalem, which he will be defeated by God Almighty, that will bring peace and safety. Because if Russia gets wiped out, that will put Jerusalem in a safe spot because no other nations ain't got and won't have the guts to make another attack until the battle of Armageddon. Because Russia, five-sixths of Russian army is going to be destroyed. The one-sixth is going to go back into Siberia and regroup. When they regroup, they're going to come back at the battle of Armageddon. That's when Jesus Christ appears in heaven with the church. Finally, ain't nobody can say nothing anymore. Ain't nobody say, I don't believe in that stuff, and I ain't care nothing about no Jesus Christ. I ain't worried about that. I'm just going to keep on going to church and do the best I can. I ain't thinking about that. I don't believe in all this is going to happen. Oh, you're in a sad state. You are in a sad state. You are in a sad state of destruction. Because if Jesus Christ don't see blood on your doorpost of your heart, just like he did in Egypt, if there's no blood on the doorpost, the people will die. If there's no blood on the doorpost of your heart, you're going to die. Because if I don't see the blood, 
If I don't see the blood, I'm not going to pass over. If I see the blood, I will pass over. When the rapture comes, those that are saved, the Lord will rapture you up because of the blood of Christ. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Your works is not going to save you. Your own righteousness will not save you. Your own get-go and how to do it and when to do it is not going to save you. It takes repentance, godly sorrows, and turn from your low-down, rotten, conniving sins and humble yourself before the cross and let the blood of Jesus Christ come into your life through the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that the Lord is going to pass over you. And if you call in the rapture, that means the Lord will pass over you, but judgment is coming up on this earth. And you shall say, I will go up to the land of unwalled village, and I will go to them that are at rest and dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars or gates, to take take a spoil and to take a prey to turn your hands up on the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people who are gathered out of the nations, which are, which have gotten cattle and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Israel dwells in the midst of the land. Israel is plentiful. Israel is rich in soil. Israel is rich in money. Israel has everything that Russia wants. And she said, we are going up and get this. We're going to take this. We're going to take a spoil. And if you take SP off a spoil, you got oil. And oil is valuable. Oil is gasoline. Oil is, is, is diesel fuel. Oil is a vein to keep civilization running. No oil, you ain't going nowhere. No oil, you can't run you can't run vehicles. Without oil, you can't do nothing as far as mechanical lies. My, 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 my. Listen. This invasion of Israel by the Antichrist called the Battle of Armageddon, which will pre- precipitate the second coming of Jesus Christ. Russia is going to start it off, and at the Battle of Armageddon, when Christ comes back, the whole army will be destroyed. Thirteen verse, Sheba, the Dan, the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young line, all the other countries that surround Israel, that includes America and all these countries, they are going to say, oh, you come to take spoil? Have you gathered your company to take prey? to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take away the great spoil. These nations, these young nations, are looking at Russia. Y'all come to take the spoil of Israel? Wow, all the islands and all the uh, uh, other countries, young lions will stand on the sideline and look at this because nobody's going to be able to defeat Russia and its army coming down on Israel. America can't do nothing. They can't go 3,500 miles across the sea and get there in time. I don't care what kind of jet plane they got. Do you come to take the spoil?
That's what it seems like they're going to do. And then in the 14th verse, it says, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto God, Thus said the Lord God, in that day when my people of Israel dwell safely, shall you not know it? And you shall come from your place out of the north part. Who's the north of, of Jerusalem? Russia, Moscow. And you and many people with you, all of them riding horses, a great company and a mighty army. And you shall come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land, and it shall be in the latter days, it shall be in the year 2027 or 2025, that's the latter years. That's the latter years of the last generation, because now we're living in the last generation. This generation ends in 2030. That's it. Ain't no other generation after this. Everything's just about genocide. Principles and moral values, almost genocide. Families and homes and young folks, almost genocide. The devil's trying to destroy anybody that get in his way. That's why it's best to know Christ. It's best to have a shepherd. It's best to have a, a comforter. It's best to know who God is. Because without God, you're going to be caught off guard, and you ain't going to have no hope. You're going to have no joy. You're going to have misery. Why? Because you rejected Christ. You totally told him to go take a flying leap. And that's what folks are saying today. Jesus, take a flying leap. Jump off the cliff. Turn this, turn this, turn, 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 turn my life into nothing but bread and materialistic things. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Saints, we need to stop. And I say, Lord, instead of giving me something, let me give you something. I want you to take my soul. I want you to have control of me. Woo, Lord, have mercy. He said, and you shall go up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land, and it shall be in the latter days, and I will bring you against my land that the heathen may know me when I shall be sanctified in you, O God, before their eyes. The Lord has been dogged for the last 6,000 years. He's been dog. He's been ridiculed. Even after the crucifixion, and he went back to heaven, people still dogging him. He don't exist. He don't love me. He don't do this. He don't do that. Why he let this happen? Why he let that happen? He don't dog him and dog him. And now God said, I'm going to shake myself. I'm going to sanctify myself. I'm going to prove you who I am. I am the I am of the I am's. There is nobody else beside me. I'm by myself. I'm self-existence. I don't need nobody. I've sustained my own power. I'm the eternal one. I'm everlasting. I am righteous. I am omnipotent. I'm not the present. I'm immutable. I am. Nobody can't boss me. Nobody can't tell me what to do or how to do it, when to do it. Why? Because he's God Almighty. And he said, for John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't go by 
Don't die without knowing Christ. I don't have nothing against going to church. I've been going to church all my life. But going to church ain't going to save me. Only thing to save is Jesus. The latter days refer to the last days which pertain to present and near future. In other words, these prophecies have already begun to come to pass. And with each passing day will accelerate their fulfillment. It's hasting on. It's almost over. We're at the end of the road. We're at the end of the church age, that glorious church age in which the church has 2,000 years to do what? Preach the gospel in season, out of season, when they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it. Preach it when you don't want to preach it. Preach it. Preach what? Save Jesus and him crucified, suffered on Calvary's cross, bled and died, hung for nine hours, Dropped his head between the locks of his shoulder. Went down into the grave. Preached to those in prison. Got up on the third day morning. Stayed on earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Went back to heaven. Told the disciples, go back down to Jerusalem and mind your own business and go in the upper room and get there. And when you get there, within 10 days, I'm going to send you some power, which is the Holy Ghost. And you, you, you and you and you, you and you shall be a witness for me. Tell the world, tell the gospel story, tell how God so loved you so much. Tell him how he was born. Tell him how he was suffered. Tell the miracles he done. Tell them, and when you get through, tell them, tell them what he did on Calvary. He drug a crew across on the hill of Golgotha, and they nailed him. Tell him. They nailed his hands. Tell him. They nailed his feet. Tell him. They lifted him up between heaven and earth. Tell him. Tell him he speaks from the cross. Tell him. He uttered several, seven senses. He preached from the cross. And when the last, when he closed his sermon, he said, it is finished. The veil temple rented from top to bottom. The animals was happy. The animals jumped up and shouted because they said, now there ain't no need to sacrifice animals and goats and turtle doves and red heifers and, and none of this because somebody, not just somebody, but the God-man of heaven came down and gave his own name, Jesus Jesus, Jesus made a way that man could get to God. Jesus made a way that man could be saved. Jesus made a way that a man can say, hallelujah, hallelujah, I've been born again. Jesus made me a new creature. Jesus told me to be a witness. Be a witness. If you don't do nothing but be a witness, you're doing a great deed. But if you can't be a witness, what can you be? Witness to who? Witness to who Jesus is. What he done for you. How he saved you. How he kept you. How he put up with your mess. Your sarcasm. How he forgave you. 
How he long suffered for you. How he healed. Tell him. You used to be a drunkard and old whore mongrel. Tell him. You used to be a prostitute. Tell him. He changed my soul. He changed my mind. He changed my way. He changed everything about me. And now I can tell him and I can be a witness. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Saved for what? Saved from the damnation of sin. Saved from the punishment that hell brings. You don't want to go to hell. No, you don't. This is out of bizarre. You don't want to go to hell. No, you don't want to go. And ain't nothing in this world going to hell over. Money, prestige, sex, drugs, prostitution. You want to be important? Education? Ain't what's going to hell over. Turn from sin and let Jesus in. Because he will not come in unless you tell him to come in and you want him to come in. He's not coming. He's standing at the door knocking every day. And you won't come to the door. You're afraid to come to the door. You're afraid you're going to lose friends. You're afraid that you ain't going to be able to do what you want to do. You're afraid of being born again. But Jesus Christ ain't going to hurt you. He's going to save you. But if you don't receive him, you're going to be hurting the rest of your life through eternity. Why don't you come right now? This is the best opportunity that you can come. Jesus loves you. I know it. If he loved me, I know he loved you. I was a sinner, undone, wretched, and he saved my soul. Only thing you've got to do is repent with a contrite spirit, broken, sad. You feel bad because you're sinning against the Holy God. And God is telling you, I want to stop you from sinning against me. Let me come into your life. And let me walk in you, talk in you, live in you, keep you, walk with you. I want to be in you that you can glorify my son and tell the world and be a witness that the power of God is ultimately. He can save you from your sins. Acts 4, 12, for there is no other name given among men whereby you can be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, all the denominations of the world and all the occults of the world cannot, cannot 
cannot, cannot save you from your sins. Jesus loves you, and so do I. I hope you can understand the word of God. I hope you got something from the word of God. I hope you keep the word of God in your heart. If you're not saved, you can get saved right now. I don't care if you're in your car, at home, or wherever you may be. Jesus Christ loves you. He he can save you, and he's coming back. This world is on its last leg. Banks are closing, locking up, people losing their homes, storms, tornadoes, hurricanes. The weather is mystified because God is in control. And what he's doing, you know what God's doing? He's talking to you. He's warning you. You can't survive on this planet in peace and love until you accept his son. And if you don't know him this afternoon, the only thing you've got to do is repent and humble yourself and admit yourself that you are wrong. And the reason you're wrong because you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to be made right. The only thing you've got to do, whoever you are, you can put up your hand and bow your head and confess, Lord, I am a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And I believe with my heart. And I confess with my mouth that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead on his own power. I believe that he can save my soul if I humble myself and turn from my wicked ways and confess right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is Ella Bazaar coming to you from Warren, Ohio. I'm going on down there in Atlanta, Georgia, on Brock Talk Radio. Brother Oliver is my host. He is sponsoring me to Get this word out. That's what I'm doing. I'll be back next Sunday at 5. I'll be back on Wednesday, not this Wednesday. I'll be back on the following Wednesday, last Wednesday in March. I'll be back at 9 o'clock. So come on out. Turn your radio on. Sit back and listen to what the Bible says, not what I got to say, because I ain't got nothing to say unless it comes from the word of God. And the only thing I can tell you right now, if you're not saved, make sure you save before you die. You don't know when you're going to die. But if you're alive, you ought to make a choice right now. Because I'm telling you, if you leave this world, if you leave this world, if you leave this world, if you leave this world without Jesus, you're going to hell. Not because you're bad, not because you're good, not because... But because you never got your sins. Why?